Welcome to the No Spin Dash Zone. I'm Isaiah. I'm Charlie. And I'm Steven. And today we are covering the fourth box high game known in America as Lunar Nights. Known in Japan as Bokuro no Taiyo Django and Sabata. Or Bokuro no Taiyo DS. Or Boktai DS functionally. Yeah, it's for the DS. The Nintendo DS. Potenko DS. Did you want to say anything more about it before we hopped in? Uh, I... Like about your connection to this game and how it's the first one that you'd ever played and how like you, maybe playing the rest of these games has shaped your ideas about it differently? Or I mean, it, it kind of seems like you, you covered that base there. No. <laughs> so this, this was a game that I actually played a long time ago. I want to say it was... It must have been when it had come out recently enough, because I I played it at the at my local library as a as oh. a kid ish. Did I like did a I? Rental game? Yeah, it was one of those like you can check out a video game for a dollar for a week, and I played it and I was like, this is great, and I never beat it because I had a week, because that's how it goes with library games. <laughs> and then a couple years later. And by a couple years, I mean, like, all the way up in college. So that would have been several years later. I, at one point, was like, screw it. I'm going to go, I'm going to play it, and I'm going to beat it. And I did, and I had a great time. And then I found out that there are three games that come before it. And so I was like, all right, let's do this for our podcast, because I want to investigate those. But it turns out it's very different from the other three games in the series. Yeah, I was talking about this a little bit before, but I think that this game feels quite different from, especially the second box type, which we now have the strongest connection to. Yeah. But I do think that it's a logical progression from 1 to 2 to 3, because it seems like each time the focus on the active killing of enemies has gotten stronger and stronger. And at this point, it seems like the main kind of idea of the game, like this game feels a lot more like I expected it to, like Diablo, as opposed to like Zelda. Yeah. Where you kind of dive into a dungeon and do a couple of things and then like come back out and then go back in and stuff like that. And you kind of like do this little loop. Yeah. But the the key mechanic of this game that's different from the previous games is that you can play as two characters somewhat simultaneously. You can press the select button to switch between Aaron and Lucian Lu- or Lucian. Django and Sabata and J- Lucian. Yeah, that's how I always read it. Like Luchador. Like like Lucian. Like just the Luce, just the name Lucio. Like Lucio from Overwatch. The 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 Sinnoh Elite Four member. Yeah. Yeah. Lucio. Oh my god. While editing this episode, I looked it up, and it turns out that Lucian is how you pronounce this name, and when it's spelled with an E, as in L-U-C-I-E-N, it's pronounced Lucian the way I thought. That does check out. So I thought it was, like, Lucian, because he was, like, the moon beauty Lucian. Yeah, and everybody knows that Aaron contains the word air, as in the thing in between the ground and the sun. <laughs> well, no, it has it has two <laughs> letters. It has two letters from the word sun in it at the end. Uh, no. I renamed both of my characters after, like, Django and Sabata. Yeah. <laughs> so that they were just called Django and Sabata in my game. I think that's, like, right. I just named them not Sabata and not Rango. Not Rango. <laughs> <laughs> Have you consistently named Django Rango? No, because I didn't do it in Boktai 3 because the freaking tech system was too screwed up and I just didn't oh, want to yeah. mess with it. Yeah, but he would have. Yeah, yeah in I spirit have. you did. And I'm like, yeah. well, I guess I'm just going to be Django this time. <laughs> He's just Django. It's good to give him his give him his time in the sun. Alright. It was a pun. That's But yeah, you can play as two characters in this game. Django or Aaron can absorb sunlight to use his solar gun just like in the first Boktai. And 
Lucian, Lucian, Sabata can use the moonlight to power his his handheld weapons, like in the second Boktai. And there's a day-night cycle in this game, so you can only get energy for one of your characters during their respective time yeah. of day. Yeah, it's like any kind of day sim kind of game where it's just the time goes a lot faster than it would in yeah. real time. Yeah, like Majora's Mask or Dead Rising. I was thinking Harvest Moon mostly, but in that game you get tired. <laughs> I like the way this game sort of uses the natural day-night cycle to incentivize you to prefer one character over another depending on, like, your s specific situation. Yeah, like you're supposed to switch. But it sort of becomes a little bit less meaningful because you're indoors most of the time anyway. Yeah, but I do find that I used... Aaron when the sun was out yeah. because I knew that I could find little spots. I, yeah. I like how it makes you kind of keep in mind certain spots in the in the maps because much like Boktai 2, these world maps are pretty complex and they have pretty noteworthy areas. Yeah. So like the first one actually kind of reminds me a lot of the cathedral. You go through a garden to get to a castle area type thing. And the garden is a lot bigger than it was in the cathedral, and it's more linear. Th this entire game in general has more linear maps. Oh, yeah. But the the whole kind of design ethos is that you'll go through, like, this little snake-type shape to get to a new area, and you'll have to hit a couple rooms along the way that are either optional or they have, like, a key in them that you'll need to get to the next room. And then after you finish that section, you'll get to a second part of the dungeon, and then you'll have to do that and then you fight the boss. So like for the first area, you go through this huge garden and then you get, I actually, that's the only one that's divided by a, like a hard map change. Yeah. Where you fight a mini boss and then you go into a different map completely. But the rest of them, it's like you fight your way through a sewer and then you make it to like the second floor of the sewer and then you have to fight your way through that and then you fight the boss. Yeah. And there's a couple switches and stuff, but there aren't really a ton of puzzles. Yeah, that's really disappointing. The switches almost feel like lip service. Like, they feel obligatory. Yeah. Well, and I didn't mind them too much because it was another thing that was like, hey, use Django sometimes. Yeah. Well, and even, like, when your objective, when you're playing as Django slash Eren at first, and your objective is to, like, collect people and make them safe, like, that added a, deg a degree of non-linearity that, like, was cool and interesting. And then something like that never really happened again. Yeah, I feel like that was kind of a nod to the previous games because you also don't have a weapon during that, so yeah. you have to be stealthier, yeah. which I kind of enjoyed. I kind of liked that they're like, hey, be stealthy for a minute, and then you get your gun, and it's it's like, don't even worry about it anymore. <laughs> it still kind of felt kind of ham-fisted like it did in the first Boktai to me. Yeah, I, I would not have liked that segment had it gone on any longer than it did. Plus, they give yeah. you run again, except this time it actually runs on sunlight. Yeah, you have a dash that's it just kind of like burns your sunlight meter very slowly, I might add. Yeah. It's pretty reasonable. Yeah. You double tap too, which is nice. There have been I was I was playing it actually last night. There was a situation where I accidentally double tapped and ran just in time to get to a section with moving platforms where if you go off the screen, it's an automatic death. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's fun. <laughs> I've run by accident a lot in this game. Yeah. But I never had that kind of thing happen to me. It's just like, oh, well, I guess... It's usually fine, but I did, and this was also my, like, fourth death in a row on this specific room, so I was very <laughs> upset. Yeah, it also resets all of your progress in the room. Yeah. Which is annoying. Like, I wish it just did the Zelda thing where it, like, knocked off an eighth of your health or whatever. Yeah. 
but instead it's because like the past three Boktai games when you did that you would die so they were like well I guess you'll die here too well, I'm pretty sure in in Boktai either two or three I remember a bit where I fell off and it was like yeah well we know deaths when you fall off are just like like a little bit unfair so we're not gonna charge you for for dying at that time the the charge is not what mattered to me, it was the time-wasting. I went through, I think I was probably in the same room that you were, because we were in similar dungeons when we finished off. Yeah. But I had killed, like, a bunch of skeletons, and then I crossed a, a little path, and I didn't want to open a door yet, so I killed a bunch of guys there, and then I crossed back, and then I had to get from one moving platform to another, and they were just timed wrong, so I walked off by accident. Yeah. And then it negated two level-ups. It's so... I, it's it's really bad. Yeah, there's no reason for it. Falling falling off a moving platform is so unnecessarily punishing. Because it's not this isn't a platformer. There's no reason for this stuff. Like this game is all about the combat. Like we talked about, there aren't many puzzles. Yeah. So like it doesn't make any sense at all why you would fall off and die right away. Because it's not even like challenging. It's just like patience. <laughs> So you mentioned how, like, in the beginning, when you get Aaron, Django, whatever, how you're rescuing people. I was just thinking about this, and I was like, that's kind of a kind of neat kind of comparison. Because Sabata is very adamant, talking about how he only thinks for himself, like, yeah. in his first dungeon, you just go through a prison block, and you just kind of seeing people you you really don't care you're just going for the vampire yeah yeah so that's kind of a nice contrast i mean you you kind of had that kind of stuff all the time with yeah characters but yeah i do i also like how in this game you start out as sabata and not Django. like you go through a sabata dungeon before you even meet Django. i mean it's yeah. about time yes <laughs> yes it is also god i do not like Django's design in this game yeah, he's he looks like, like a mixture between Jet Set Radio Future and The World Ends With You. Well, he will. He looks 10, for one. He looked like... I, I For some reason, I thought he looked like the main protagonist from Dinosaur King, an anime I have not watched. <laughs> but, like, yeah, he definitely has, like, that beat from Jet Set Radio look, too. Yeah, he's got, like, the gray goggles, and he has, like, the orange outfit. Like, his color scheme is, like, beats, and then... Okay, I guess he does have Axel's hair from Kingdom yeah. Hearts. Well, oh, I mean, he just—it's like generic anime, like like whipped back hair. Yeah, yeah. I, I hate that hairstyle a lot. Even on Axel. I mean, he's okay. I don't really like Axel's <laughs> look in general. Charlie, you're coming at like everybody's best boy right now. Yeah, I yeah. I, I know. There's a lot of there's a lot of people who have the hots for him. I I don't care. I think everyone has the hots for him. Dude, Charlie just has his hair memorized. I think That's I think all. I think Tara looks nicer. <laughs> but. That's, I don't, I'm not here to talk about Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> He's got his hair right. Sabata looks nice, I guess. He's got an eye patch. But yeah, I like Sabata's color palette better. The yeah. art style is very interesting. It's more, it's much more anime. It even has like little animated cutscenes, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's got like fully animated cutscenes for, I think it's just like three of them, right? Oh, plus like the space one, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, do you guys like watching the same two space cuts, same three space cutscenes uh, after every dungeon? Yeah, it's great. It's not great. <laughs> anyway, since we have two characters, we can talk about the two types of combat. Oh, hell yeah! Woo! So, kind of the basics. You can charge your meter with like you'll find like sun panels or whatever. There'll be moon. You can probably the the top screen. It's the top screen. Yeah. That shows like the yeah. time of day. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's weird because most DS games have like the map on the bottom. Yeah, because yeah. it was. It kind of reminded me of like Kirby Squeak Squad with how that was displayed. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, it makes sense that it shows the weather on top because that's where the weather is. Like the sun is in the sky. Yeah. 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 And in your hands. And you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it should be noted that this cartridge does not have a solar panel on it. Yeah. Well, actually, it can if you put Boktai one, two, or three in the Game Boy Advance like port on the on the DS, but not the DSi. But if you do that, then you can charge with like the solar panel. It's kind of yeah. cool that way. But it doesn't it doesn't play into the game too much. It, it mostly just has its own internal system where the higher the sun is in the sky, the more there like the meter is. Yeah, it was a weird yeah. gimmick that didn't need to be there, but whatever. That's why Lunar Knights exists. Anyway, <laughs> you get a shield which allows you to block damage, and if you just press it at the right time, you can parry like in a fighting game. Yeah, or Dark Souls. I think is the biggest cultural touchstone. Yeah, but that's the difference between fighting games and Dark Souls. I don't play Dark Souls. <laughs> Parrying is also <laughs> extremely necessary for specific enemies. I think if you use Django, you can, like, shoot the enemies that you're talking about. There's, like, these guys that swing a ball around, yeah. and they're pretty hard to get to with the melee combat, but if you just shoot them, they're not too The bad. other thing is, when they're swinging their ball, their ball swinging actually reflects bullets. It doesn't reflect them, I think it just stops them. It does actually literally turn them around, and they will hit you and damage you. Which I like. Like, for the record, I think that that's very cool. I used the missile launcher. Yeah. So, they just blew up. Yeah. Dude, for me, they, I used the missile launcher, they reflected the missiles. I don't think that ever happened to me. I swear it's real. When when they're spinning and their ball turns red is when it reflects. Oh, I never shot them while that was going on. Yeah. I, I guess maybe, like, that one reflects and the other one doesn't, because they have two ball-spinning animations <laughs> for no reason. Yeah. So... Starting with Sabata, Sabata has the sword, and you can get multiple swords, I'm sure, but you have your simple swing like you've had in, like, the past two games, but you can actually do combos, so it's actually fun to use swords now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you could technically do that in Boktai 3, but it was really weird. I've already forgotten how sword combat is in Boktai 3, because it, it had to share with the solar gun, it was just... Yeah, you just use the gun for most combat. Yeah. <laughs> the combo is great because each hit in the combo does a lot more damage than the last one. So you're like really rewarded for comboing, but then because you can't really move while you're comboing and a lot of enemies will attack you immediately after your combo, if you whiff, then you do get punished. That's actually a huge thing in this game is that you can move while you're doing a combo. If you hold any direction, you'll move that direction and you can also adjust where you're swinging mid-combo. So if you swing and then you hold back and attack again, you'll move slightly backwards and also change which way you're facing. So you can also, like, use that to fight, like, three or four enemies at once. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, the recovery frames from the combo. Yeah. But I think it should be noted that you can move during, like, an action, because that's that's one of the, I think, the biggest changes for me in the melee is that you're able to reposition yourself mid-attack, so if you whiff and you're not done with your combo, you can adjust. Yeah, and I agree with that. So that, that really is just kind of sabot, except for one thing that I'll get to after I talk about Django, who has the gun, which is basically the same, except finally you have a lock-on button, so you don't have to, like, precisely aim at a freaking crow or something. Yeah. Right, and an isometric gameplay field. <laughs> it took yeah. them this long to, like, add a lock-on, and oh my god. Yeah, and not only that, but you also get a second gun that fires just, like, homing missiles, so they'll shoot in the direction that you point, but then if they don't hit the enemy for a little bit, they'll just turn and aim again and move faster. Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. Huge quality of life. You can use that to, like, shoot, like, if you are between, a, like, an enemy and a wall, or I guess if the wall is between you and the enemy, you can, like, shoot parallel to the wall so that it, like, passes into a corridor, 
and then it'll hook around and hit the enemy. Yeah. It's really cool. It's a lot of fun. I, I always think that there's more to the combat, but then I remember it's Boktai. Well, I mean, <laughs> you also got to remember the, the elements. Yeah, you can equip elements. Obviously, Django has his solar energy, and Sabata has moon energy or whatever. Yeah. Lunergy. Except it's moon energy that actually does damage on, like, every yeah. time Django tried to use it in the last games. Yeah, it was, like, the safe safety button. The safety button. <laughs> uh... What's interesting about the elements in this game is that it feels like elementals, like resistance and weakness, matters a lot more in this game. Is it just like wind beats earth, earth beats wind, ice beats fire, and fire beats ice, or is there yeah. a bit more nuance to it? There's not a ring, it is like back and forth. Yeah, it's it's just a bunch of lines. That's really weird. Everybody is dragon type. <laughs> the, thing I, the thing I like about this, though, is that the... The, the enemies that you fight have different colors and they correspond to their element usually. Yeah. So if an enemy doesn't have a color, generally speaking, you can just like attack them normally and they'll probably die pretty quick. And yeah. then if an enemy is like purple, you can tell that you should just use green. It, you don't have to kind of ascertain whether or not they're weak to fire yeah. the way that you did in the previous games. That's fair. And there are different palettes of the same enemy that have different elements. So you can just be like, okay, so for this specific instance of this enemy, I'm going to switch to the red gun. Yeah. Yeah. But besides that, both of them have the TRC gauge. And I don't know if that's like ever explained later on why they have it. It's just like, like <laughs> yeah. Sabata very clearly, like with their, like with, with Nero and Nero is uh, basically Sabata's familiar, who's a cat. And I guess it's the cat from Boktai 2 and 3. Yeah. In name, not necessarily in character. Yeah. yeah. But you turn into a vampire and then you just do the same thing. And Sabata basically does the same thing. No, Django dead bases the same thing with Otenko, except he looks freaking ugly. Like, he doesn't look <laughs> like a vampire, he just looks like this ugly solar anime boy. And he could still steal life, so it's like, I kind of wish they did something different with him instead of just making him another vampire, because he doesn't look like a yeah. vampire, and that doesn't make sense to me. The thing I would have liked is if he, like, sucked up energy and, like, filled up the energy gauge by doing his attack. Doesn't yeah. he fill up his energy? He does, but only you trigger it and then the energy fills up right away. Oh, okay. it doesn't, it's not like a mechanic. Yeah. I So I rarely use the TRC gauge. I'm pretty sure each elemental gives you another, like, transformation. Yeah, they do. I accidentally did with fire and it did something weird that I can't remember. It doesn't do a transformation. It lets you do an attack on all the enemies in the room. Oh, right. It does art attack from Paper Mario Thousand Year Door. Yeah. I, I feel like it actually really sucks because you don't get to see a transformation. You just see the familiar pop up on the bottom screen. And it also doesn't change the weather the way that the other two do. Yeah. So, well, that's, uh, that's the other big thing is that when you use your personal familiar, like only Sabata can use Nero and only Django can use Toasty. Right. Toasty. His name is Toasty in this game. His yeah, name is Toasty. Let's, let's, let's not use that name, please. <laughs> they, the the English translation renamed Otenko to Toasty. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep calling him Lucian and Aaron, but Toasty is Otenko, and he will always be Otenko because Toasty is a terrible name. I'm going to call them Django and Sabata because those are better names. I mean, you're right. They are better names. When you use those transformations, if you use Toasty, it turns it to daytime, and if you use Nero, it turns it to nighttime. Oh, I didn't realize that. I, I think it does that. Maybe it only does it for Nero. I don't know. I, I thought that there was something along those lines. Honestly, now that you said that, I'm, like, second-guessing myself. I actually like that bit because maybe that's true and also the other perennials change other things about the weather. They don't. That, that was what I was saying, was that I know for sure that they don't because I tried to use one to make the weather what I wanted for a puzzle. Yeah. And it didn't work. 
Ah. And I was mad about that, because it's just like an objective downgrade, because you don't transform, and you don't increase either of your gauges, so like, they're just objectively worse, like why would you ever spend the meter on yeah. that? Well, does it change, like, the, the temperature and the wind speed and stuff like that? I don't know about that, but that doesn't, like, super matter, because all that really affects is, like, the weird random armor. Like, I want it to be able to use it to fix myself up for a puzzle. Yeah. Because I don't obviously know what whether a puzzle is going to need going into a dungeon. So, like, I wish if I had saved my meter up, I could use it to get an optional room or whatever. Those puzzles are probably the worst way to do puzzles. Because they're not puzzles. You find them, and they're like, yeah, so you got to change the climate to a specific climate to solve this puzzle. And so you leave the dungeon, go to your climate changer guy, change the climate, go back through the dungeon to that specific room, and then just walk to the end of the room and collect the treasure. Yeah, there's not even, there's no block pushing in this game at all. Yeah. There's none, there's like nothing even resembling a puzzle. There's just like, hey, you need it to be winter here, sorry. Yeah. There, there is a, a weapon upgrade system. Oh, hold it. Before you do that really yeah. quick, there was one more thing I wanted to say about combat that we kind of didn't talk about oh, very yeah. much. So this game has the backstabbing from the previous game where you deal more damage if you like swing behind an enemy. Mm -hmm. But it's also got the running that Charlie talked about, and you can combine those two things by using dashes to get away from enemies before they see you, and then lock onto them and do like a U-turn without even having to change the direction you're running <laughs> and deal damage. Yeah. And that works well with Django because he shoots a gun, so you just, you know, he turns around and shoots him. But you can actually do it with Sabata as well. And if you hook, like, lock onto an enemy and run behind them, he'll, like, whiplash backwards. And if you're dashing while you attack, he moves even further than normal. Oh, man. So he does, like, a running attack. And then you can move even more as long as you're holding the lock-on button. He'll just keep moving towards the enemy no matter where they go after you attack them. So you, like, dash past them, like, behind a wall, and then do a U-turn, and then slash them, like, four times, and you're moving into them every time. It feels really good. I have to say, like, running into an enemy and then just slashing them is really satisfying. Yeah. He also gets a little bit of invincibility at the beginning of his attacks. Or it might just be that enemies lose their hitbox when you hit them, but there's, there's a system that's a lot more generous than the previous games, where as long as you're dealing damage to an enemy, you aren't going to take the contact damage. I actually don't think there is contact damage in this game, except from, like, slimes and stuff. I mean, I don't that's know, contact damage. That's, I mean... <laughs> you got me. I do I do think that skeletons and stuff do contact damage. Oh, maybe, I, I... maybe I'm just wrong. I don't know. Because dogs also definitely do contact damage. Yeah, I take it back. There's contact damage. Yeah. But it's just, it's more generous because, like, when you're engaged in combat, you're less likely to have to deal with it as long as you're playing well. Yeah. So I feel like it encourages you more to do damage to the enemies and actually fight them all because it's kind of fun. And then you get rewards for it. It's, it's really cool. Mm -hmm. I like the combat in the system. The combat in this game, rather. So this game does have a weapon upgrade system where you go to the mansion with the guy who changes the climate and you can give the guy your weapon and a lot of like ingredients essentially and pretty much all it does is make the weapon stronger right like it just increases the attack power did you get to level six with any of your weapons uh no i didn't so they do get new abilities oh good yeah so i know for a fact that the sword gets a fourth attack which is like a helm splitter and it does even more damage and i think it can hit twice depending on how you hit them mm. so it, it's awesome and it moves you even further there's all kinds of cool stuff you can do with that and then when you get to the sixth level of Django's like pistol you get a charge attack and when you get to the sixth level of the missile launcher you can launch four missiles instead of two at a time. all right all right and I don't know about the other ones but I'm sure they get cool abilities as well so the way this upgrade system works is you 
give a bunch of ingredients to the guy and he's like, alright, I upgraded it for you. Like, it's done. And the way you get these upgrade materials is either by purchasing them at shops or through enemy drops. There are, there are a few chests as well. Like, I think there are green chests that give you some rare materials in dungeons. Yeah, some of them give you common materials, though, which feels really weird. It's better than when a green chest in this game gives you, like, a solar nut. Yeah. <laughs> or, sorry, solar fruit this time, but not nuts anymore. Like, green, green chests have been really nerfed. Yeah, green chests suck in this game. They still don't respawn, like, that's the only d stipulation, but they don't give you, like, cool stat-boosting cards or equipment. They just give you, like, hey, here's a chocolate bar. I'm so much less, like excited to find a green chest. Yeah, it feels the same as finding a red chest at this point. Yeah, uh, it's just rarer. But yeah, so when you when you pick up a... They're called junk parts. And when you pick up a junk part from an enemy drop, you have to go into your inventory and, like, appraise Examine it. Examine it. Yeah, yeah, to find out what the part is. And so it takes up space in your inventory until you just hit A, and then you just have the part, and it's not in your inventory. Yeah, and you also can't pick them up while your inventory is full. So if you've got full consumables, you just have to eat something to get a new junk part. And, like, that's really weird, right? Yeah, it seemed like you guys both weren't too hot on that. Am I understanding that correctly? <laughs> yeah. I actually like it. I noticed that you can sell junk parts if they are not appraised yet. Oh, so okay. okay. If you run through a dungeon really quick and kill a bunch of guys, and you know that they don't drop anything that you want, because there's a character that will tell you what enemies drop in this game, so it's not obscured that way. Yeah. So if you're like, oh, I have too much solvent, and I've killed a bunch of zombies, like you can just run and sell that to the, to the shop owner. All right. And junk parts do not all sell for the same price. Yeah. So there is value in, like, learning that system, and, like, once you appraise it, you can't sell it, so there's also value in keeping them in that space until, okay. you know, you can go and sell them. And you can sell some of them for, like, 2,000 gold. Oh, jeez. Or not gold, but, like, sun energy from, like, the rare enemy drops. Soul. Yeah, soul. All right. I guess that's a that's a valuable reason to keep it in your inventory. But it was always yeah. weird when I had like one inventory space and then I would get a solar fruit and I'd be like, "All right, health." And then I'd get a junk part and I would be like, "All right, goodbye health." <laughs> Cuz I'm using you so that I can get um, this junk part. Isaiah, solar fruit increases your energy gauge, not your health gauge. Uh, what's the what's the uh, life is it a Earth life fruit? earthly earthly fruit? Earthly fruit. That's right. Do they do they still have did they still call it a see all nut? No, they call it a clairvoyance fruit. There was I feel like there was something that was still a nut. No, they call it a clairvoyance fruit. Okay. So I'm playing Octopath Traveler, which is not relevant to this podcast, so we can cut it out Dude, if we want. Are there nuts in Octopath Traveler? There are nuts all over Octopath Traveler. And every time I see one, like there's there's an item called rejuvenating nut, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is good. I just really, I, all I wanted from Boktai was for there to be, like, a, a person who sells, like, items to you and his name was Buster. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, and in addition to upgrading your weapons, you can also find new weapons. Most of Django's guns are given to you through the story. I think all of them, because I think they both have three weapons. There is one that is unlockable. I think it's only, like, post-game, though. For Django? For for Django. Because you get, I know you get a pistol, a missile launcher, and then two like faster pistols. You can also pick up one that just shoots like a straight up grenade. Oh, weird. Yeah. So does he have more weapons than Sabata? Uh, Sabata for sure has one that you can only pick up after beating the game once. Well, I know you get a you get a sword, a spear, and a scythe. Is there more than that? Yes. There's also a shield okay. you can only get in New Game Plus. 
Well, that's kind of different. Yeah. yeah, I figured that there were more shields, because you can go into... The same lady that tells you about the enemies can also tell you about, like, items. And if you just look at the items menu, it'll show you how many that you haven't seen yet. And you, there's only four shields in the game. Yeah, but yeah, so you can you can find... Pretty much all of these weapons are located in dungeons you've already cleared but haven't had access to this specific part. And then there's an yeah. entirely new branch of that dungeon to explore with much more difficult enemies. Yeah, it's, it was really cool because you can get to them pretty early. Yeah, like the first area, as soon as you get through it, you can go back there. It's just that you will not have the health required to get through it. I think I went back after I beat the dungeon right after it. I came back to try and clean some stuff up and then realize you could keep going. Yeah. So I got the spear pretty early. The first dungeon is where you get the spear. But it's like it's like fun to go through an area that you are you feel like you're not supposed to be there. Yeah. You know, because everything's really hard. Optional dungeons and super dungeons and stuff like that are always super fun in games like this. Yeah. I really also enjoy that Sabato's weapons are all named after the final bosses from the different... Boktai games? Yeah. Like, his scythe is named Hell, who's the boss from Boktai 2, and his sword is named, uh, Vanagrand? Vanagrand? Something like that? Who is the boss from Boktai 3. And I forget what, is it like, is it Jotund? Or Jorund? Or something like that? It's the boss from Boktai 1, and that's the name of the, of the spear. Yeah. So you get a, a lance, and then the scythe, and it, yeah, it looks like that is it. Yeah, I didn't think that Sabata had any extra weapons besides that. I'm, I must, I must have been imagining wrong. I'm googling this right now, is, is how I'm seeing that that's... Does Django have more weapons than the, than the three? Django has the, the solar gun bomber, which I did get, and that's in the train, I think? Yeah. Oh, so it's post-train? Yeah. And then you have three unlockable shields, but one of them you can only get on the second playthrough. Yeah, but those aren't weapons. Yeah. So Solar Boy Django has four, and Moon Moon Beauty Sabata has three. Moon Beauty Sabata. That's his name, Isn't dude. he Isn't he Galaxy Boy, or is he Dark Boy? He's all three. Okay. Because his mom was the Mune... 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 The Mune Beauty! Mune? The Moon Beauty. His mom was the Moon Beauty, so he got that title passed down to Yeah. Him. And he's also the Dark Boy in the first game, and then he's Galaxy Boy at some point. I don't remember when that happened. <laughs> they call him Galaxy Boy a couple times in, in Boktai 2. Yeah, I thought so. So he's, he's a man of many names. That's real. Dude. One of them being Lucian. When I grow up, I want to have more than one name. I... I like my name. That's why I say it at the beginning of each podcast. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a couple other things besides just the weapon dude that you can do in the overworld. Like, yeah. you can go to these sort of, like, pub in type places where if you're low on health or if one of your guys dies, you can revive them. Because in this game... Even if one of your characters dies, the other one can keep playing. So you can choose to either finish something up if you're really close to the end of an area, or you can port out with a phone that you have <laughs> and just go and heal up and in for, I think it's like 100 soul every time. It's yeah, not too it's bad. 100 soul. And that'll also fill up your meters. So if you're low on energy and you don't want to deal with holding down like the charge button or it's raining or something, you can just hop in and spend 100 to be at full meter. Mm -hmm. And then you can also go to the same like convenience store type places that were in the previous games and buy items and sell your other items. And then as I already mentioned, you can buy junk from those places. And then there's also the info broker who is a girl named Alice in this game who is kind of the Zazzy replacement. Mm -hmm. She's she she's the person you call when you want to leave a dungeon, and she's also just friends with Lucian. She's a bunny girl. Yeah, we'll get to that later. She's a bunny girl. <laughs> she puts on a hoodie and goes to bars, and I don't think you're supposed to know who she is when she's wearing the hoodie. She, I mean, your characters don't seem to recognize her. 
Yeah, but she just tells you about the enemies you fought. So clearly she's been watching you. <laughs> yeah. And she'll tell you, like, what enemies can drop, and she'll also tell you, like I said, how many items you have left to find. And she can, I think she can give you a tip on where to go next, but this game is super linear. It's just like Boktai 3, where you unlock a dungeon and you go there and you do it. There has never, ever been an issue where I'm like, where do I go? It's the place that I just unlocked. Yeah, it's the place highlighted in red. Yeah. <laughs> But other than that, there's not a whole ton you can do with the overworld. You can interact with NPCs to unlock quests, Isaiah told me about that. Yeah. I didn't personally find them. Charlie, you didn't do any quests, did you? No. Yeah, I, I never really talked to any of the NPCs besides the ones that run the shops. The first time I ever unlocked a quest was literally after I had already beaten the game on my like first full playthrough of it in college. Yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> this is, you want to make this a little bit more obscure? Yeah, it was really, it was really weird. It felt like an NES era thing where you just like text with the same boring guy three times. Yeah, each, each NPC has two different things to say. And so you would think having to talk to them three times, I, I know I'm not going to unlock a quest when on the third time they say the same thing they said the first time. But that also yeah. means that I got to sit through them saying the first thing again. Right. Well, and it's also like, they don't tell you anything interesting. Some of them mention like world building stuff, which is kind of cool, but none of them are like telling you anything great. Like I tried to talk to some of the people from Django's old guild. Yeah. And they were just like, be good. In the, uh, in the, in the first town, they're literally just giving you mechanical instructions. They're like, did you know you can save yeah. your game with the save button? Yeah. Terrible. Just, you terrible. can use L and R to cycle through the menu. It's like, you can hit the A button on NPCs to talk to them, like you had to do to talk to me. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, pointless. It's so bad. It's very much so, like, wow, video games. Honestly, like, if you're gonna have something like that, it really needs to be, like, advanced play tips. Yeah. Like, it, like it telling you that you can run and then turn around and then backstab enemies really, yeah, really cool. Yeah, like, techniques. That would be very cool to learn about through NPCs. Or at least cooler. If there was, like, an old swordsman at the bar that's just, like... Like, you look like a chump, and then he tells you, like, how to fight as Sabata. That'd be great. Yeah. And he turns out to be Red Ringo from Boktai 2. Oh, snap. Like, instead, there's just like, did you know you can lock on to enemies with whatever the button is? I forget. Yeah, the lock-on button. The lock-on button. Yeah, the same thing that we literally tutorialized within the plot of the game. <laughs> yeah, there's a guy that, like, you're at shooting practice in the cutscene, and he's like, make sure you remember to lock on, Django. Which, like, if ever there's going to be, like, an in-story tutorial, I want that to be the one, because I need to know how to lock on to stuff. Sure, but also it's just really funny that your, like, dog dad or whatever is like, <laughs> make sure you lock on! Well, there's, there's also a bit, I don't, I don't know how far everybody got to the train, right? There's a bit where right when you enter the train... I didn't train, beat the train. Right when you get to the train, so, like, either Nero or Otanko is like, Alright, so this is going to be hard and we're not going to be able to get back to town until we get through it. So you might want to save in a second save slot. <laughs> and I was like, that's good advice. Yeah, that's really cool. I never do that. Oh, dude, if I if a game gives me more than like three places to save, you better believe I save in a different slot every time. Yeah, that's right. I remember what happened to everybody with, with Skyrim. I actually have my save file from when I had beaten the game and I almost did a new game plus instead of a regular game. Yeah, for an RPG, we advise not to do New Game Plus for your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pro tip from the NSDZ boys. I will say, the stats, I mean, definitely, like, the way that I, I leveled my characters this time around was I went full strength for Sabata, and for Django, I went half strength and half energy. And that seems yeah. to be 
the right call. Like, I had a lot of trouble on the train, but aside from that, like, it was a pretty solid experience. They give you a good chunk of health, and I think that you could honestly upgrade that in kind of any order as long as you're effectively using the element system and upgrading your weapons. It's just like the last time, yeah. like in 2 and 3, where even if you aren't messing with the level up mechanics at all, your equipment gets better. Yeah. I think it's a pretty good experience as far as leveling goes. A lot of that stuff is carried over just from Boktai 2 and 3, so yeah, it feels pretty natural. So I got a question for you guys. Yeah? Do you guys like, um space shoot 'em ups in your action RPG. I like Gradius. Well, good news then. <laughs> good news, everyone. Good news, everyone. This game also has a shoot 'em up in space. Oh, cool. Is it like top down and you get to move faster and like collect power-ups and stuff and no. shoot like a ton of bull No, it's it's 3D and you use the stylus to move your ship and to shoot enemies. So oh. you can't move and shoot at the same time. Do you, well, when do you, what kind of power-ups do you get? Well, you can shoot a bullet, you can shoot two bullets, you can shoot a big bullet, you can make your ship a bullet, that one's actually the coolest one. That is pretty cool. I didn't get that far. <laughs> you can, yeah, the, the wind and earth terennials are the most game-changing ones, and one of them is slide your stylus to, like, aim at up to four people and then fire homing shots. Yeah. And that one is just actually not usable because I don't have time to use it. I will get hit instead. <laughs> and then the other one, I, I can't remember which one's which, turns your ship, like, when you move your ship around, a, like, force field goes around it, and that damages enemies and keeps you from taking damage. Uh, and that one's actually extremely cool. So, the thing that we should talk about really quick before we hop any further into this is that this replaces the coffin dragging, which yeah. is, in a way, an improvement, but in another way, it's a shitty DS gimmick. The music is good. Yeah. But it the sequence lasts way too long, for one. It lasts as long as coffin dragging, so it's not really an improvement. There are three phases to it. The second phase always has a mini-boss, and the third phase always has a boss with a recurring character. Yeah. This character is like a cat person inside a mobile suit called Schrodinger, which is a good joke. It's not a western joke, though, so it feels out of place. Well, I kind of feel like Lunar Nights isn't a western anymore. Yeah, unless you're playing the original Japanese version. Yeah. Where they're still named Django and Sabata. Well, maybe the cat's not named Schrodinger. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's what I'm getting at. Is it like the cat's name is Nero? I think the lo no Char Charlie. He's not no, <laughs> the other no. cat. No, Charlie. Charlie, there are two cats. Charlie, there's two cats. Charlie, no. Charlie. Charlie. <laughs> Sorry, I'm already dead. <laughs> but yeah, I like the bit that there's a vampire cat with a suit called Schrodinger. Yeah, it's it's all right. I think it's a good joke. I just wish that they had maintained the Western references. Yeah. I don't even know, like, I guess I don't know for sure whether or not they're still present in the Japanese version, you know? Yeah, I, and I played this game first, and so when I played it, I didn't get any Western vibes, because I don't think the game has any Western vibes. Yeah, it's, it doesn't even have the music stuff from Boktai 2 or 3. Yeah. For me, when I first played it, and when I second played it as well, I was really interested in the way the game sort of combines stuff like vampires with more sci-fi elements. And the shoot 'em ups like, gameplay is not good, but the fact that it's like, alright, so we gotta take this coffin into space, and the reason we gotta take it into space is because the vampires have a force field that blocks the sun's rays from killing vampires. Yeah. So we just have to throw them into the sun. We throw them, <laughs> like, we just shoot a laser at them using our satellite in space. 
I think they do shoot them into the sun, don't they? I thought they, like, shot the... Or I guess maybe they keep the vector coffin. I don't know what It happened. only gets weirder. I mean, the shield kind of looks like a vector coffin. Yeah, it does. Yeah, uh, which I do like. They're like, okay, we're sick of the pile driver. Let's just hurl the thing into space. <laughs> Tie-yo, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also like, like, this game takes place in a world where the vampires are just, like already pretty much in control of everybody. Yeah, they're the government using a system to control the weather, just like real life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so vampires have both the parasol, which just controls the climate to keep the sunlight from hurting them. Yeah, it's an umbrella that blocks the atmosphere, I guess. Yeah, it's it's pretty well named. And it's, and it's P-A-R-A space S-O-L as in the sun. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure there's no space, but soul is in all caps. Oh, that's it. I thought there was a space. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they also wear casket armor, which is never shown visually. Like, they're not, like, wearing armor. I think it's just like a... I think that they actually are, and you just never see them out of the casket armor. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Wasn't the first boss kind of, like, like not in casket armor? And then... Yeah, you do see them outside the casket armor, because you see the twins sitting on their casket armor, and oh, they hop in. Oh, that's right. That's, it's like the mechs they wear. Yeah. First one just looks like Evangelion Unit 2, but in a centaur form. And then the second ones look like Funko Pops. <laughs> yeah, they look like Funko Pop. Uh... But I, I like the way this this game sort of blends like vampire sort of stuff with more sci-fi elements. Yeah, well, and I think that also plays into sort of the idea that this might, instead of being an alternate universe, be the future of the world of Boktai, because it goes from being yeah. a western to a sci-fi. And I think that does make sense. And there's aliens now. Yeah, and they're furries. Yeah, the so since the vampires use outer space, they apparently actually came from outer space. And in addition to that, some what is what is the group called that are furries? The I don't think they ever refer to demi humans. I don't know. I know that like the dog ones have a term which is canid. Oh, canid, yeah. yeah, which is literally just dog. Yeah, dogish is like what. <laughs> <laughs> so the furries came from outer space and so did the vampire aliens and yeah. like they hit earth and then stuff started happening and you meet people at the bar that are just like it's like a fox dude and the zazzy replacement is a rabbit girl like we mentioned but like she's she just has the ears she's like she's not actually yeah. a rabbit so i think she's like a half breed half furry alien and half human do you think zazzy is her mom or great grandma or something oh man I mean, she is a sunflower girl, so probably. A lot of the furries that you meet, are just, it's like a dog, like, walking on legs. Yeah. And one of them is, like, Django's, like, stand-in father. His his father figure. <laughs> he has, like, a dog dad, and then, like, there's another dude that they run the, like, show together at their solar vampire anti-guild. Django yeah. has two dads. Yeah. And one of them is a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Let's, let's not read into that too much. Just enough. <laughs> well, Django also is presumably like actually an orphan or whatever because it's an anime. Oh yeah, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, the it's like a sci-fi world, but there are some places in the world that are like related to the old Boktai, so it's kind of like you're not sure if it's supposed to be a completely different universe that just has some names that align. Especially in the English version. The English version yeah. weirds this up a lot because it's not even called Boktai, and the two protagonists don't have oh, the same Tenko's name. Tenko's name is changed. To Toasty. Like, Stop. I even, like, I get Aaron and Lucian having different names because if it takes place in the future, it's, like, more uncanny that they have the same names because they're different people. Yeah, I mean, tell that, to, tell that to Zelda. Tell that to Zelda. I 
I that's that's a different con- that's a conversation for a different podcast. Wind Waker takes place on a flooded world in the future. It's the same game, dude. It's except I, instead wind- of water, there's dirt and vampires in this game. Wind Waker is literally a sequel to Ocarina of Time. This is a sequel to Boktai Three. It's a Boktai Threequel. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You got me. Also, like Boktai DS, like Django and Sabata, is a much better name than Lunar Nights. I don't know. I mean, yeah, but it's I called Boktai DS. It's so good because it's Django and Sabata. Yeah, but Lunar Nights sounds like something that would really appeal to a Westerner. Then call it Boktai Three, Django and Sabata, Lunar Nights. Also, can I can I just complain about the plot a little bit? Sure, not too much though, because we don't talk about the we don't talk about the plot for Boktai. Yeah, so I mean, Lucian's whole bit is that he's like, I'm so goal oriented that I don't care about saving people's lives. I just want to kill vampires. And yeah. then Aaron is like, I want to protect people with my magic gun. We're gonna team up, and over the course of our stories, the two of us are gonna like learn and grow stronger from each other. Except that that part doesn't happen. At all. They have the same goals the whole time. Yeah. Like, they, nobody, there's never a bit, I keep expecting Lucian to be like, huh, maybe you've got a point to protecting people is, is valuable. But no, he's just like, I'm killing vampires and you're here too. There is, in <laughs> fact, a spot where Lucian tells you, like, you the player, I think. I think he's telling you the player. I think he's looking at you through the game screen. Yeah. But he says, I'm going to go ahead. I don't care. I don't care about stealth. And then he doesn't. He just sticks with you and you stealth the area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He says, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going ahead. And then he just sticks with Django. There's there's a bit where Django Aaron is like, I'm coming with you. And Lucian's like, well, you'll make a good shield, I guess. And that's like right before the final dungeon. It's also the opposite of what is actually going on, which is that Sabata is definitely the shield and Django is definitely the gun. Yeah. The, the gun. <laughs> Yeah. It's so it's so weird. I'm I'm like disappointed by the lack of character development when you have you very clearly have characters with like contradictory goals and motivations coming together for like one specific purpose. Over the course of the story, they should grow as a result of each other, but it never happens. Yeah. And I'm just mad about it. Anyway, that's that's my my character development rant. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, <laughs> and then the podcast ends. Yeah. I mean, do you guys want to talk about like any other connections you noticed, or do you want to just head over to the thumbs up, thumbs down segment? Did we talk about San Michael? <laughs> Sans Michaelson. Sans. Yeah. There, so the old city from Boktai Two, San Miguel, is actually like an underground, explorable location in this game, which leads me personally to believe that this is actually the future of what happened yeah. in the first Boktai trilogy. But I think that Isaiah holds more the idea that it is a different universe that has some parallels. I'm I'm sort of like like starting to get one over on the future thing, but it's like a distant future. Cause something yeah, about sure. San Miguel is that like number one, it's underground, and number two, there's lava everywhere. Yeah, it's it's not it doesn't resemble the old city at all, other than yeah. that like it's named San Miguel. Yeah, but like the fact that it is there, and I think there are references to like actual Janko in. Boktai. Yeah, it mentions like a legend where two boys saved the world, stuff like that. And yeah. it mentions that there was a solar boy who used to fight vampires, and they're like, boy, I wish we had that. L- lol. And then, you know, Django is sitting right there. Yeah. Looking like Beat from Jetson. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is the last time I can probably ever talk about this. So, ever since I heard that name, San Miguel, I've had this song from, like, elementary school stuck in my head that had, like, that name in it. Yeah? I'm, I'm not gonna try singing it, 
it was like in Spanish and stuff. Is it just like some weird like royalty-free song or something or what? I don't know. I I don't really think I want to try looking it up. <laughs> it sounds pretty strange. What if San Miguel is just Spanish for St. Louis? No. <laughs> Probably not. I think it's uh I think it's Spanish for of Michael. Saint Michael. What if uh <laughs> what if what if the son is actually the Japanese son and it's Miguel son? Well, it's on the wrong side of Miguel. Well, it's, transla- it's translated to English. What if it's a misspelling of the word son and uh, Miguel is the name of, of, of the Jan- son? Of Django? Yeah, it's it's son Django. What if son, What if the word son was supposed to be before son and son is Spanish for boy and Miguel is Spanish for Django and it's solar boy Django? <laughs> what if... Okay. Charlie, do you think that it's the future of the old world, or it's a different universe? I don't know. I think there's a there's a really strong argument for being from the future. I like to think that that's the case, because it makes it feel more connected, and I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm leaning towards it now. I could see it going either way, because this game does make a distinction between immortals and vampires, which, to the best of my memory, the Boktai games didn't really do. Like, they were just kind of the same faction. Yeah, and there were tons of immortals in that game, and to my understanding, there's only one immortal that you meet in this game, right? Yeah. And it's just a bunch of other things are called vampires. So I'm wonder. my thinking before was that maybe the immortals on Earth, like, went out into space. Okay. To, like, escape the sunlight or something. Like, I was pitching this before the show. Yeah. And I think that, like, maybe the immortals left, and then, like, the Count came back and, like, brought some powered-up super vampires with them, and they tried to, like, I don't know, like, populate the Earth with, like, dark, dark humans or something and like that's what the vampires are okay yeah so i was like maybe they're dompiers which is like the son or daughter of a vampire and a human and that was my pitch but that's not like backed up by the game at all i don't think anything relates the these immortals to the old ones yeah the vibe that i got was the immortals came and saw hey vampires you guys are are having a hard time so what if we gave you this technology that would make you functionally invincible yeah. And then the vampires were like, cool, what do you want in return? And the immortals were like, you'll see. But yeah, I, I think that... <laughs> Is there a plane? Terrible. No, I just forgot what I... Hold it, let me rewind for a second. Cut this all out. Cut it all out! <laughs> oh god, what was it? I was talking about how they go to space, and they come back. The Count comes back to sp- from space, and he's like, Hey, the Don Don Pierce, baby, humans and babies, said all that. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> what the fuck happened? Where did it all go? This always happens like once an episode. I just don't always have to like mention it because I thought the the thing I thought I was gonna say was like useful. I think we had value. We were talking about how they're related. Uh, now I have to figure out <laughs> how to... they went to outer space. I think that the English version makes it feel a lot more like an alternate universe just because of the name changes and stuff. Yeah. And it makes me wonder if that was the goal. Because I think that a lot of like the decision-making for the English version changing the names has to do with the poor sales of the previous Boktai games. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really curious how if I like spoke Japanese and read the like plot from that version of the game, if my opinion would change. 
But for now, I think that it's cool to have the idea of a Western sort of shifting into a sci-fi. Yeah. I think especially, like, like it makes sense that the game would want to divorce itself from the originals, because it is really spiritually different, even though on the surface a lot of things are very similar. Well, you guys both seem to have that opinion, but to me, I think that this is the logical progression from 3, where combat was the main focus for sure, and the dungeon puzzles were simpler and simpler and more and more linear. Yeah, but even, like, stuff like the, the shoot-em-up section with the rock music and the, like, radical shift in like environment you know i don't think the environmental shift is that different like i drew the connections to the cathedral you know like they go yeah. into a garden and then go into a castle the sewers is also in boktai isn't it isn't it in boktai 3 don't you go to sewers or no it's by it's boktai it's boktai 2 in boktai 2 you go into sewers yeah and i and also you know the pile driver is sci-fi you know because we have friggin lasers coming out of the ground yeah, I mean, like, there's a bunch of sci-fi stuff already, but like, you have the transforming coffin and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't think it's as far apart as y you guys seem to think it is. I mean, I mean, I think there's a case to be made for the fact that the tone is completely different. Yeah. And, like, the it's got the more anime art style. I think before it was pretty anime, but now it's, like, there's just a full-on, like, 2D animated segment. Yeah. Every couple of hours. So, I, I still do think, though, that there's a lot of the old Boktai here, and I think that the lack of puzzles isn't as big a change as it might seem. Okay. I think, I think I guess maybe the best way to put it is that, like, we used to have this sort of complex paperclip, and then they grabbed the ends and slowly pulled it out until it was Boktai 4. Okay, I feel that. Do you guys think it's a thumbs up or a thumbs down? I'd still give it a thumbs up. I definitely give it a thumbs up, but I feel like I enjoy it less having played Boktai 2. I would give it a thumbs up, and I think that this is the best that the combat has been in the entire series. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Combat-wise, yes. I think that that huge adjustment is enough to make me like it. I think that if it didn't have as much of the plot and the rigid structure, I might like it more. Yeah. I think that maybe it is it is bogged down by the stuff that ties it back more to Boktai, perhaps. Yeah, I feel that. I definitely think that the solar mechanics feel less purposeful here. Even the changing of the weather doesn't feel like it changes as much as it should. Definitely the worst part is the the climate feels entirely irrelevant. Like, yeah. you have accessories where when the weather meets this specific condition, your vitality goes up a lot more. But then yeah. you have... It's really just paying attention to the temperature and then being like, oh, time to change my equipment because I lost that perk. Yeah, or the wind speed or the yeah. humidity or whatever. And, like, that stuff is, is bad because not only is it like, oh... I just have to change my gear every time I change the weather. It doesn't even tell you how much it's adjusting it by, so you just feel inclined to use the basic stuff that gives you, like, plus two vitality always. Yeah, because it just means checking less often. Yeah, and, like, even if you do check, like, you can't actually tell stat-wise how much it's changing. It doesn't show you the adjustment when it's the weather-specific equipment. And also, most of the equipment is weather-specific. Like, there's very few things that just, yeah. like, board-wide adjust your stats. So the equipment system feels kind of pointless. And then the weather feels tacked on because it's a Boktai game, but it isn't even in the West, so like, I don't know, it, I, I can't imagine it feeling natural if this were the only game in the series. Yeah, it was weird, I can say that. Yeah, it's, it's definitely strange, but I think that the combat is so good, and the sort of mechanics that develop later on are so good that it, it's still worth playing, I think. Mm -hmm. So how would we rank the four Boktai games? Top to bottom or bottom to top? Uh, top to bottom. Alright, for me, definitely Boktai 2. Mm-hmm. Lunar Knights, Boktai 3, Boktai. How about you, Charlie? Mm, what Steven said. 
Yeah, I feel exactly the same way. I think that Bogtai 3 is like just barely a thumbs up, and that's because of some of the cool stuff it does with making you want to play the dungeons again. Yeah. Like the post-game content is probably the strongest in that one. Oh yeah. But Bogtai 2's like story and characters and the world and all of the fun puzzles, like it's no doubt the best one. Yeah. And Bogtai 4, Lunar Knights, Aaron and Lucian, Bogtai AL. <laughs> I mean, like, Lunar Nights has the least, like, rewarding feeling extra content. Although apparently there's, like, an extra dungeon that you can only access after beating New Game Plus or something like that. Yeah, I know there's a lot of unlockables, and I do think that the weapons that you earn are cooler than the weapons in any of the previous games. Oh, yeah. Like, the combat system feels so rewarding to me. I like how you beat enemies to get more items for your weapons, to get better weapons to beat more enemies. And I like how when you beat a super dungeon, you don't just get a piece of armor. It gives you a weapon. And that was really rewarding to me. I was like, if this gives me just armor, I'm not going to be happy. But the armor seems like it's almost completely through the store. Yeah. So I think that the parts of the game that are designed well are the parts where you go into a dungeon and do cool stuff. And that, I think, works enough that if you're just playing the game dungeon to dungeon and not caught up too much in the other stuff, it's rewarding enough. Yeah. Weapons for super dungeons is really great, especially since they make huge gameplay changes. Like, the spear isn't just a different combo. Like, you can hold it and charge at enemies and stuff like that. So each of the weapons drastically affects how you approach combat scenarios, and I like that a lot. You can find us on Twitter at no spin dash zone and you can email us using the email account no spin dash zone at gmail.com you can also check us out on twitch at twitch.com or is it.com or twitch.tv at you can check us out on twitch at twitch.tv slash no spin dash zone you can also follow me on twitter uh at twitter.com slash isaiah games that's i-s-i-a-h games you can follow me at draws charlie i draw something every day I miss when you would extend the draws out. That was a four-episode thing. That's an old bit. <laughs> get with the times, old man. You gotta get a new bit, then. No, I don't need bits to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's fair. We'll see you guys next time with Sonic 06. All oh, right, Sonic games exist. Yeah, yeah, we're back to Sonic after this. Have fun. Get braced for impact, especially this one, Jesus. Get braced. We're gonna do two episodes of it as well, so. Yeah. Exciting. Riveting, even. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello. Hey, remember. Hi, yo. <laughs> oh, Tanko.